What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone, welcome to Apathetic Enthusiasm. This is Brandon Cruz, all by all by my lonesome. Travis is out this week on personal business, and so he is unable to record with me this week. And so this is this will be a kind of unique episode in the sense that he is not here by which to levy my 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 good humor. Uh, everything that's great about me is is all based on on having Travis around. But what we decided to do this week, we have some interviews from the amazing Hawaii Comic Con a few months back that we haven't actually presented yet. So what we decided to do is we, with the amazing Hawaii special edition coming out in October here to Hawaii, we decided to push some of these, uh, some of the folks who we interviewed who will probably be back. If not, uh, they will be back next year for the actual amazing Hawaii Comic Con. Uh, and we just wanted to present that to you folks, and hopefully you enjoy. Got some good guests. Let's go ahead and start with the Library Bards. Hello, uh, I'm here with the Library Bards. <laughs> oh yeah, I was, I was expecting I was expecting harmony there. Oh, uh, wow, wait. the Library Bards. Ah! <laughs> there it is. There it is. Uh, so you're Xander and Bonnie. Yes. yes. Oh, awesome. I'm so glad to talk to you guys. Oh, yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I, I've seen I've seen you here before. You were here last year. Yeah, right? yeah that right. was so much fun. And uh, we and made them we made them bring us back. We're like we like, gotta we go no to Hawaii. Choice. Yeah. You're like, no, you have to. Not, and, and you, like, not only is it Hawaii, but the audience is so amazing. Yeah, here. You guys are so welcoming. The nerd community here is is like just I don't know. I want to say badass, but I don't know if I can say that. So, yeah, you can you can say that. Okay. I thought, the, the nerd community here is so badass. Like they're so welcoming and nice and awesome. And it's been so cool, you know, uh, coming back from last year, where people have been running up to the booth, and going, "Oh, we saw you guys last year." Yeah, yeah, and they yeah. still have our buttons, and we're like, "Wow!" Yeah. yeah. Uh, I thought you were gonna say banging, which is a pro- inappropriate. Banging. Oh, yeah, banging. <laughs> That's a thing we're you lear- do here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think we're so. Le- too. We're learning all the Hawaiian lo- lingo. And- yeah, I you know I, I've lived here a year and a half, and mm. I still like it feels forced, right? I'm like. 
Like, how many times do you wiggle? Is it yeah. just once or like a wiggle, too much? Wiggle, 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 wiggle. Yeah, or like, the, like you got like this one sometimes. What? Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's like, like it's like this. the lazy wi- wiggle. Yeah, it's like the, somebody cuts you off wiggle. Like, like, uh, 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 it's like a sad trombone wiggle. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, what? So you guys have been here before. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your favorite thing about Hawaii? The com- uh, Hawaii. The food. <laughs> the food. The thing is, I love Japanese culture, and I love Japanese food, and the food here is amazing. It's like going to Japan without having to go to Japan. And he's lived in Japan. Yeah, yeah. He speaks fluent Japanese, so, like, for him, this is like... Son of a bitch. Like Christmas, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> It's just great. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, have you tried the poke? Yes. Uh, yes, that was oh. the first thing we did. We literally yeah. got off the plane yeah, yeah, and had yeah. poke. Oh, so good. <laughs> I, I, had some, I had some in Los Angeles last week. And it just... You were in L.A. last week? Yeah. We were yeah, I, I was born and raised in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. Yeah, Glendale area. So. Ah, yeah. we're in North Hollywood. So. Yeah, there we go. What? Same thing. We're just right there. Hop, skip, and a jump. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I saw you. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, at the Ralphs. Magnolia yeah. and yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how, long you, how long have you guys been, to get, uh, been together doing the, doing the library bars? We both had our shows. We had King of the Nerds and The Quest. We were friends before that. And then after our shows were done, we were doing all the different conventions. And we're like, we want to do something where we can keep doing that. Because the reality show will only last for so long. So we formed the Library Bars. We've been doing this for about a year now. Yeah, we've been traveling doing cons for about... Uh, it would be a year in June since our first con. And it's, it's amazing that we've only been doing cons for a year, but now we're like traveling all over the country. It's kind of surreal. Yeah, like, wait, wait, kind of you guys are like letting us... And we just started as like, you know, showing up as the Library Bars, doing panels, doing little shows during cosplay contests. Now we have like booth, a booth space and merchandise and, yeah. you know, making CDs. And it's, it's like, it's been a year of, of a whirlwind of everything. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. You know, you start, you start small and little by little, you're just like, now you're, now you're headlining stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we're still small in that aspect, but yeah. it's, it's one of those things where even though our fan base is really small, the, uh, we feel because we get to go to the cons and meet everyone in person and it's kind of like strong. get a, like a personal relationship with our fans, yeah. it makes all the difference. Where yeah. our fans are just not like randomly finding us online, we're actually meeting them in person and kind of building a personal relationship with each person, which that, I think is... Uh, special. Yeah. yeah. Uh, absolutely. Uh, the, the the meeting and establishing rapport and being yeah. like, hey, this is who we are. Right. You know, and, and, and I'm not some creeper, you know, like, well, yeah, well. <laughs> we both like the same person. We I say know. the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> <It's awful. laughs> we didn't rehearse this. Yeah. <laughs> Just like rehearsal. Nailed it. Nailed it. it. It's like uh, there's an episode of Rocco's Modern Life yeah. uh, where, where they're doing, like, uh, the, the springtime cleaning and R-E-C-Y-C-L-E recycle. But, but so... R-E-C-Y-L-E, recycle. C-O-N-S-E-R-V-E, conserve. U-T-E, pollute the stars. This guy's a street. What you deserve. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I remember that. Yeah. So good. There are fluorocarbons in our atmosphere. Um... Yeah, so that, that episode reminds me, you, the, the joke is like, Rocco comes in, and they all know this song, and it's all choreographed and everything, he's like, what? what? <laughs> How do you guys do? Did you just, no, we've been practicing for weeks, yeah. Rock. Yeah. Um, it was missing the Australian accent, though. Yeah. Rocco. <laughs> look, look, I can, I, can, I can fake sing for a second, sure. but don't ask me to do an Australian accent. <laughs> um, <laughs> So where, where, can, uh, where can people find you? We're all over uh, at Library Bards. 
on Twitter, Twitter Instagram, Instagram, Tumblr, YouTube, Facebook, and you can check iTunes. out librarybars.com that has all the links for everything. And if you uh, check us out like on YouTube and you like our music videos and some of the songs that we're doing, check us out on Patreon. Yeah. Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash librarybards. Uh, we just started our Patreon page recently and, and we've been using uh, the donations for that to help uh, with new music tracks and music, music video, video budgets shoots. and all kinds of fundings. We have a lot of new songs coming out yeah. that you guys can hear tonight at the Cosmic Contest. We can hear it? You can. Just us two. Yeah. Just the two. Which, <laughs> private concert. Uh, Don't tell. Like I said, headline. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've made it. <laughs> We've got a concert for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just like, for you. <laughs> well, thank you so much, guys. Is there, is there anything else you want to add? Uh, anything. We love like Hawaii. A, <laughs> Amazing away, Comic-Con. <laughs> Library bars. Yay. Yay. Oh, you got the hands down. Yeah. <laughs> I was doing the outside. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> So that was Bonnie and Xander, the library bards. I I talked to Travis when we were wandering the, the convention floor, and I said, all right, who can we get interviews from? And we, we, were, we were looking around, and you know, I'm, I'm a shy guy by trade. I'm kind of introvert, and if I don't know people, I have a hard time going up to them and, and, and asking for stuff. Uh, and so I saw them, and, and they, were, they were chatting. And I, I said, you know, just, just go for it. Just go ahead and, and run up to them. Run up to them as fast as you can and just ask them to, to chat. So I, I charged them. Uh, they called security. Security was like, hey, is this guy bothering you? They're like, well, it depends. What does he want? And I said to them, hey, can I get an interview? And they're like, oh, that's all you wanted? Why don't you why don't you just ask us? And I said, well, I did ask you uh in the in the sense that I was running at you and like oh sorry it must be a cultural thing and so of course it was a cultural thing and so we la- we had a laugh about it but they uh, clearly after that uh, we we got an interview and so anyway so Bonnie and Xander they're really cool um, and we'd seen them uh, before the the year prior and we we got a chance to talk to them and that was really cool it was a really good experience and and hopefully we'll see them again in October well I I will Travis will not. Because he's in Omaha, where where dreams go to to live, not die. Dreams go to live. So cool, right on, Travis. You won't see them unless they come to Kansas Comic Con next year. Uh, next up, we have we have a industry professional. He's been around a long time. Uh, he's been he's done so many great things, and here he is to talk about a few of those things. We have Rick Hoberg, who is a regular to the Amazing Comic Con series. Uh, check, check him out. Check him out here. Hey, good morning, everybody. I'm here with Rick Hoberg. Hey, Rick, how you doing? I'm doing good, you know. A little sleep deprived, but got a coffee buzz, so I should be okay for a while. Oh, man, Wait, there's the Starbucks in the hotel lobby. It was just packed. Oh, yeah. Not when I got there at 530 this morning, you know? <laughs> uh, how's, how's the con going this day three? Well, as you can tell by my voice, which is basically gone at this point, that it's gone real well. It's one of the best conventions I've ever attended. Really? Yeah, I've had a wonderful time here. Excellent. Wonderful time. Excellent. What, what, uh, so far, and, and there's still a whole day left, uh, so far, what's, what's the biggest thing that's happened to you or, or, or the most exciting thing that's happened to you? Um, to be honest with you, I've always been really terrible at doing convention sketches. I worry about quality. I worry about time. And I actually think I had a breakthrough this week where 
things are really happening. The work's coming out very nice. Not like I would get in my studio, of course, but I'm feeling better and more confident about doing this, and I think that's half the battle with these sorts of things. Awesome, awesome. Uh, can, can you tell can you tell uh, our, our viewers uh, just a little bit more about yourself? I know you're, you're awesome. you got the Star Wars stuff going on. Yeah, you, you're, you're, you're in comics. You went into animation. You do some live-action stuff. Uh, what comics? Comics to animation. How, how do you make that transition? Um, it, the, it's a good story from my point of view. Uh, I started out wanting to do comics, but I loved animation as well. I grew up reading uh, comics. Tarzan and Batman in particular were my first ones. Tarzan was the first because my father gave me a Tarzan comic, so this is all his fault in the end. But uh, I grew up reading that, and then during the 60s, Johnny Quest showed up, and that kind of, I went, oh my gosh, they can actually do comics on TV. And, you know, and Hanna-Barbera ended up doing a number of really cool shows, which I know DC's rebooting right now, like Herculoids and Space Ghost and all of those, and I loved the Mighty Mitor, I loved those things, Birdman. And uh, they also did a great version of Fantastic Four along the way, too. So. Um, I finally got a break to do comics just about, I was about 23 years old, and uh, I started doing Tarzan comics for Russ Manning, who needed people to ape, that is, mimic his style for overseas comic books. It didn't last long, but it was a great way to get my feet wet, and shortly thereafter I was working for uh, uh, Roy Thomas, who had come out to L.A. and became for the first autonomous editor running his own show basically for Marvel outside of the offices at, at Marvel Comics in New York. Okay. And he chose me to be one of these guys because I think he just wanted some guys around him who could, you know, do extra stuff. Yeah. And it turned out I was able to do a few things. So I um, did that for a while. And when um, uh, along the way, I got a call from Hanna-Barbera because a friend of mine, Mark Evanier, who's always a wonderful guy, always helped new talent, he uh, recommended me to Doug Wildey, the creator of Johnny Quest, to work on the Godzilla show that Hanna-Barbera was doing. And I, I jumped at that job, it was great. And I came into the studio and met some of my lifelong friends that I've known now, like uh, Will Minio and Larry Houston and Dave Stevens. And it's it's, continued to this day. Dave has passed, of course, but uh, Larry and Will and I are still good pals. And uh, it was uh, a, a place where I could start making a living in a couple of different worlds. And Mark had always told me, always keep a few doors open. So I've always balanced between the two. And now I'm basically a storyboard artist. I, I don't do many comic books anymore, but I do a few here and there when I get the offers and, and I, I've got the opportunity because right. I like doing them. It's just that it's grueling work. And storyboards is pretty regular work when it's happening. Plus it's, um, it's a union job, there's benefits involved and a little bit of a retirement plan. So <laughs> you don't get that doing comic books. No, I, I can't imagine so. Uh, so, uh, that's awesome that, that you worked on, on like Godzilla and uh, Johnny Quest and those things. Because well, I didn't do Johnny oh, Quest, but I did well, Godzilla and, the, the creator and Super Friends and Janna the Jungle there. Super Friends was great, too. It was a lot of fun. And from there, I got a multitude of opportunities. And yeah. within a year or two, I ended up at Marvel Productions working on Spider-Man and his amazing friends, getting to design those characters. Yeah getting to do storyboards on it, being involved in all ends of the production. It was really fun and great education for me. And this led to pretty much every other job I've had, including like Thundar the Barbarian and some other very cool shows yeah, along yeah. the way. Yeah, I, and, 
just recently, uh, Future Quest came out, which is like the, yeah. the crossover, right, with all of them. I'm excited. And to be I, with you. I, I bought like two different of the covers because it's just, it's so cool to me. Like the whole Johnny Quest and, and Space Ghost and all those guys coming together. Uh, it's it's one of the more intriguing concepts of, in comics to me. Yeah, and I hope they keep it uh, the feel it had. Although. Those shows were fun to watch, but there wasn't a lot of character to them. That is, the characters were kind of pretty, pretty flat, you know. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and but they were fun to watch, and there is character involved. You've got characters like, especially the Herculoids. There's a family situation yeah. there, which yeah. makes it available for a lot of interesting stuff. Yeah. So the only thing I've seen from it so far is a few promotional things. And a buddy of mine, Aaron Lepresti, did a beautiful job for Future Quest on one of the variant covers I've seen around. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Oh, um, what what would you say is one of the, the things that you enjoyed most, uh, like one of your most uh, things you're most proud of creating or, or drawing or, or putting out there? Well, there's been a number of things I've had a, a, the fortune to, uh, to do. Uh, there's individual jobs that stand out to me, but as a series, the two, the three series that I think I had the best uh, run on and I enjoyed the most were uh, the All-Star Squadron because also as a child, I bought the very first issue of Justice League of America. I was dying to read this. I'd never seen anything like it as a kid. Yeah. And along the way, about 20 issues in, I got introduced to the Justice Society of America. Mm -hmm. So I was freaking <laughs> hooked. And when I got the opportunity to do the All-Stars, which included yeah. the Justice Society, I took that job yeah. in a minute. Plus I was working with Roy Thomas, you know, yeah. one of the best. Yeah. And I also did Green Arrow with Mike Grell, which is also a high point for me. Yeah. And my final regular gig in comics was uh, uh, was The Strangers, where I worked with Steve Englehart. And, we, you know, he was basically the creator, but I was also a designer of a lot of the characters, along with other people, because I came in after the thing had started. Yeah. Yeah. But I was the original artist, and I did the whole run of the series, basically, except for a couple of fill-ins. Okay, that's, that's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. it was fun. So, so much, so much good stuff. Oh, such, such a, such a lasting legacy. Your, your work is felt still. Uh, and uh, I can add one more to that. Oh, now that excellent, I think about it. excellent. Um, I'll take I it. was one of the, the, the three guys, not including our writer. The writer was integral, but Will Minio and Larry Houston and I, the guys who I've mentioned before, we yeah. were all working together at Marvel when Marvel wanted to do the X-Men. They didn't know anybody else who knew about this and we'd been pushing this for years. We got it in Spider-Man and his amazing friends and stuff. And yeah. they said, all right, you guys, here's here's your opportunity. Show us what the X-Men is. So we got to do that entire Pride of the X-Men, which nice. sold the X-Men to Fox. And it's a real, you know, close to my heart because that's the way I think the X-Men should always have been done. I think it's actually better than the show in many ways, yeah. just because the show um, uh, uh, had to appeal had to appeal to an even greater, wider audience. Plus, it had to appeal to network executives. Yeah. But Will and Larry did a marvelous Which job. Maybe is the hardest part. Well, yeah, and that only <laughs> includes the first few episodes, in my opinion. Once they got going and they were able to do like the Phoenix Saga and all yeah. of that stuff. Oh man, it took off. Larry and Will did a wonderful job with it. Awesome, awesome. Um, is there is there anything that you want to say to uh, our listeners or viewers or 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 how can we get how can we see more of your work? I I mean Google. Well, right now um, I just you know I continue to work. I've been working on lots of shows. Uh, a show that I worked on that I'm really proud of a few years back was Earth's Mightiest Heroes, the Avengers, Earth's yeah. Mightiest Heroes. Really a faithful adaptation in many ways, done by guys 
who loved the comics, even the, the, the writers on down, they all loved it, they kept it faithful. In fact, Christopher Yost, who was our head writer and, and story editor, I think he was on it, he's been directly involved in the Thor movies and things like that, so he's, he's, the, he's there involved in all of this stuff. And uh, I just finished uh, about a four and a half year run working on Halo, uh, and that, uh, uh, that was a lot of fun to do. That was my first foray into video games, and. It's like I told my wife, how does my career start with Star Wars in many ways? I should have mentioned Star Wars along the way because it was huge for me. And we can get back to that real fast yes. in a minute. Uh, and then pretty much near the end, I get to do Halo, which was my first foray into video games, and it came out great. And currently, I'm uh, with Hasbro working on the Transformers show and having a great time. It's a terrific show to work on. Yeah, is, is, that, is that the one where it's like the rescue squad? Uh, it's robots in disguise. Yeah, it's it's a little more kid friendly. Like where they're like they're like uh, like fire trucks and not no, maybe, maybe is, not that this one. This is a little no no. This is uh, uh, this is actually real traditional Transformers okay. stuff. Uh, I don't think it's as grim as the series they did previously. Right. But it's still got a lot of character to it and stuff. Yeah. And to be honest with you, even though I worked around Transformers, I was on GI Joe and helped put that together originally. They. Um, uh, they had Transformers, but I never worked on it because, to be honest with you, I never had an interest in the big, the giant robot stuff. So I thought, why do that when I have interest elsewhere? Yeah. So this is actually my first chance to do that stuff too, and it's working out great. Yeah, uh, awesome. Uh, I At think, least I hope so. <laughs> I think Mitch, Mitch, our, uh, yes. my final, uh, I think he worked on GoBots, which was <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. He, I believe he did, Ben, and I just worked with him recently uh, on. Uh, uh, Hulk and the Agents of Smash, where he was the head producer, I think, on the show, right, yeah, basically. Yeah, head director yeah. and producer, and always a pleasure to work with, and one of the really great artists that, yeah. honestly, the com he should have done some comics, because he's such a good artist that the comics people would love him. They would take to him so quickly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about Star Wars? Yes, I can tell you more than enough. <laughs> um, my, my real big break as uh, to get a name as a comic book artist came when I went back to working with Roy again, and uh, he had Star Wars coming up, and I'd been reading about Star Wars in the LA Times. I was a movie fan and buff, yeah. and uh, I had followed George Lucas's work in THX 1138 and American Graffiti, and Charles Champlin, the noted uh, uh, critic for the LA Times, followed his career, and when Star Wars started up, he started talking about it in the LA Times and writing about it, and I'm, I was going, oh my gosh, they're finally going to do a great space opera. Because uh, originally George supposedly had wanted to do Flash Gordon, and this is what I had read in, in Champlin's articles. And I thought, oh my gosh, we're going to get to see an epic space opera, basically. Although nobody expected to be as epic as it was. And when Roy Thomas uh, offered me four or five of the... Uh, uh, covers to do. He said, do you want to do these? Because people at Marvel didn't know anything about it. They didn't care about it. I jumped at the opportunity and, and it made a career. Luckily, I got to do four or five of, of the covers and the uh, uh, Treasury, the first Treasury edition covers. And the minute the movie came out, it became a hit. Everybody at Marvel wanted to work on that, so I lost the job. But by then, it, it just got me in the door. It's followed me. And on top of that, Lucasfilm took note of me, and I continue to work for them to this day doing licensing art like this for them. Awesome. And they continue to call. I just, I did, uh, when I was working at Halo, I did about a month of freelance work. 
on a movie called The Force Awakens for them. They're licensing which you, which T-shirt you never heard of it? Okay, yeah. You you they that I do a lot of the T-shirt type designs and it, I see it everywhere. I see it on kids stuff on lunchbox type stuff on all sorts of packaging. Anyway, they uh, uh, they had me do maybe. 40 or 50 drawings in my extra time, and I was like busting my ass. That's and not, when the not, movie finally <laughs> was uh, uh, was an, announced and the trailer was released, and a lot of the stuff I had done was in the trailer, uh, the guys were all excited at work about it, watching it, and everybody was thrilled. And I said, you know, guys, I, I've got a little something to show you in a couple of months. And they all dropped it once, once they saw what I had been working on, basically, when I was allowed to show them. And now I've just finished so doing some so stuff secret. on Rogue One. Well, yeah, you don't talk about this stuff other than the fact you're doing some stuff uh, for it. Otherwise, otherwise, just people like swinging from the ceilings and just like. I don't want to. I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> you know, in fact, I never know anything about the stories, and yeah. they don't. They don't give me any idea what it's about. It's easy for a guy like me to figure out what I'm working on most <laughs> of the time, but um, I don't want to know. I want to go into the theater yeah. myself. I like seeing the previews and stuff like that. I'm a big. Ever since I was a kid, big fan of trailers, and I think I was sparked, that was sparked by going to see my first feature motion picture. My mom took me to see the Ten Commandments when I was five years old. It was just so astonishing to me. And before the movie, they showed a trailer to the Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, and I told her, "We we got to see that. We got to see that. That's a movie that has affected me my entire life. I continue to watch it. I know the faults in it. I don't care." It's, yeah. it's just a terrific story, and in my estimation, Harryhausen's best film. I know that Jason of the Argonauts actually is technically and story-wise a better story, but I have such affection for the film, and yeah. it just it was like watching King Kong. You know, yeah. my dad sat me down when I was like three, four years old, and says, "Here's a movie I think you're going to watch." And again, it's going, "Oh God, real dinosaurs!" Because I was like collecting dinosaurs, even then, little plastic dinosaurs. So uh, that's that's awesome. It's so it's so it's interesting uh, to to hear about because obviously as a, I'm a Star Wars fan Travis is a Star Wars fan and we weren't around for the original run and it's to, to hear about like just kind of that boom that boom of the the, the franchise and, and just how much it changed right uh, at what point are we talking about well like uh, just uh, as a like Star John Wars came out and it just changed the yeah, yeah, like like blockbusters and uh, the space opera aspect of it, right? Because there'd only been one or two space operas before that. Uh, the only one that comes out film-wise to me, other than some terrible films, was Forbidden Planet, okay. yeah. which was great. Yeah. Um, a bunch for Twilight and uh, and uh, yeah, exactly. But those most of the films you were seeing were actual science fiction; they weren't space opera. Yeah. Uh, and the Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers serials that Buster Crabbe did back in the '30s. Other than that, uh, most other things you'd have to consider science fiction because uh, Star Wars is not science fiction. It's fantasy with yeah. a science fiction motif to it. it yeah, so it's basically you can see that you can see, tell that same story as has been told in samurai films and westerns, and it, it's yeah. it's it's a it's a generalized classic story, basically a heroic saga. Basically, yeah. it's it's more akin to the story of Beowulf or or Siegfried than it is. Uh, uh, something like the day the earth stood still, or right, something like that. Right, and and there's there's a Kur Kurosawa kind of feel to like Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, well, he did uh, the Hidden Fortress, which is one of the major influences yeah. of the movie Star Wars. You can, you go see that movie. You'll right off the bat, you'll see two 
wacky little samurais. <laughs> I mean, guys who are in this battle that's going on between two great armies trying to escape, and you're going, oh, wait a minute, this is R2 and 3PO. And then you find that they run into and are forced to work with a, um, a princess being protected by her general. And this is basically the first draft of Star Wars that was supposed to be a princess and a general, not a space rogue and, 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 a, and a Jedi Knight. And they have to contend with the armies trying to catch them. And near the end, they run into the general's major adversary and theirs, this black samurai who once he takes his helmet off, he has this scarred face and you're going, wow, it's all right there. This is Star Wars in many ways. And, and, and then they blow up the fortress with a giant with, a, with this, just a with photon exactly, torpedo. Yeah. Exactly, that's exactly what happens, yeah. Kurosawa, he's ahead of its time. He was way ahead of his time, yeah, yeah. But don't, don't, don't let me say that this is a, a direct rip-off Star Wars. It's just an influence, because the story itself was crafted by George Lucas with the help of uh, uh, Joseph Campbell, the great uh, uh, scholar of mythology and heroic uh, tales of his time. He's passed since then, but I always recommend to people uh, to either read his books, The Hero of a Thousand Faces, yeah. or read the book version of The Power of Myth, even better, the PBS film series that J Bill Moyers did, okay. where he sat down and interviewed Joseph Campbell for, uh, I think it's five or six episodes. You can get those on film, and yeah. even better, the audiobook version is terrific. I just re-listened to it <laughs> recently, and it's thrilling to hear all of these stories and how they all relate and how yeah. stories like Star Wars, back in Circular. ancient times, yeah. you would find that the same story was being told in American Indian, American Native American culture, in Indian culture, in Norse culture, yeah. and they had no connection with each other. It's just inherent in who we are. It's, it's, it's I mean, I, I think that's like uh, mythology, right? Like that, mythology. that that's how mythology is born. Star Wars it's is mythology. Ex yeah. exactly right. Much exactly. like American superheroes are mythology. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and and that's what uh, Force Awakens, right? You know, a lot of the, the critique is like, oh, like rehashing beat and beats. And, and you talked about it in your it's panel, really not right? True. It's 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 the cyclical nature of the heroic saga is what you're seeing there, and they knew that. If you're vapid enough to want to criticize that, it's like I, I said to the panel the other day, yeah, they, they're going, oh, yeah, but we're just watching TIE Fighters and X-Wings fight again. Well, that's just the technology that, 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 that is used by the, the warriors in this story. And you go back and watch any World War II movie, are you going to criticize the fact that there, there's, there's P-38s or whatever they are fighting Zeros and, and the, the Sherman tank is in all the stories that are told about World War II in Europe? No, because that's the technology and these battles are all different as battles, but the technology is the same and it should stay the same. You don't want it to be different all the time, you know? No, I mean, I think that was one of my issues with the prequels was, you know, they... You saw the kind of like morphing of the technology right. towards towards current, but it, it, they, they, it was too much change to me in, in, a, in a little bit. But uh. I, I like the look of the films, and and to be honest with you, I, I'm I'm actually a fan uh, of Revenge of the Sith. I think okay. that's the only story that actually should have been done. The sad thing is, yeah. George, I don't think at that point was up to the actual directing. I think he'd kind of lost his touch for these things. I think he did a nice job in a lot of ways with yeah. Re Re Revenge of the Sith, but he also uh, uh, miscast certain characters. Yeah. Uh, I can see that. Uh, Anakin, just the kid wasn't up to the job of, yeah. that, of that, that, even though he was much better Good than Natalie Portman in that. 
for some reason she was she's a great actress but she was terrible in that so it just wasn't meant to be that group that series of films I, I made the comment that that Kylo Ren was actually probably a better Anakin that that's how he should have been portrayed well he's just a better character you know and he's a more complex and interesting character he's a guy that uh, which I love that he's just eager to be bad and eager to be, you know, what his grandfather was, but he's still not up to the, up to the up to the uh, task at this point, you know. It was real wonderful seeing the interaction between him and Ray and how Ray's natural power just came out and and she was able to defeat him even though he trained for years, you know. The Force Awakens. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. The story in my estimation is going to be about that that uh, the, the one that they've been waiting for the one will bring balance to the force the real the real balance to the force yes. and in my estimation that can't be brought about by a male because we're, we're, we're too full of anger and aggression so I'll just leave it at that all right awesome well hey I appreciate you, you, you talking to us Rick yeah you know, I, I, you got you're gonna have a oh you got it all right thank thank you again Rick appreciate appreciate you and there you go. That is Rick Hoberg, super talented guy. I need to I need to send him shoot him an email to get a Rod Serling commission uh, to to have him help me out with that. Uh, but really, I can't emphasize enough how how nice and generous he was to sit down and talk to us. Uh, I actually <laughs> I, I mentioned the, the library bards and, and rushing them, bum rushing them. Uh, and getting security called on me and all that stuff, but Rick wasn't wasn't as difficult to do that with. Um, after one of his panels, I was like, "Hey, uh, you know my father-in-law." He said, "Oh, cool." And then we we hit it off like gangbusters. And I I don't actually know what gangbusters are. I don't. He might know what gangbusters are. I didn't actually ask him in the interview. That's my that's my bad. I'm a bad interviewer in that sense that I I don't ask the important questions like what are gangbusters. Is that is that like a prequel to MythBusters? Like, was that on Discovery Channel before Myth? I, I'm not a Discovery Channel watcher by trade, right? I, I I've watched a few things on Discovery Channel. I think Iris Ice Road Truckers is on Discovery, or or AMC, or maybe I'm thinking of Breaking Bad. It doesn't matter. Look, we hit it off like gangbusters, and Rick Hoberg is a generous and humble guy. Uh, and I'm so glad I got the opportunity to talk to him. And you guys should hit him up on on Twitter. You should go out there and see him, check out some of his work. He, uh, and the Library Bards guys, make sure you check out their their stuff too. And next week, I don't know what's going on for the show yet, uh, but Travis will be back, I think. And if he's not, I'll be talking rambling again like I'm doing now. Uh, but until then, there's a few ways you can get a hold of the show. I'm going to tell you those ways now. Travis is usually here to do it. What a funny way would just be to grab some previous episodes and have him like bring his voice in to do that part. That's what I should do. I don't, I'm lazy though, so I'm not going to do that, but I should do that. And that's key. That's key. The things that we should do, like, like I should clean this garage out, but I'm not going to. Anyways, there's a few ways you can get a hold of the show. You can hit us up on Twitter, obviously. We're at Appethusiast. We are, uh, oh, let me let me look back here. 
We are on Facebook, facebook.com slash apathetic enthusiasm show. We're on Instagram, apathetic underscore enthusiasm. Gmail, apathetic enthusiasm show at gmail.com. We are, of course, on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere podcasts are heard and sold, perhaps. We don't sell our show. It's completely free. Well, it's it's completely free for the listeners, not for us because we have to pay for things. But uh, head out, head out to iTunes. Give us, give us a rating. Give us an accurate rating, and of course, that means five stars right across the board. Let us know what you think. Shoot us an email. Shoot us a, a tweet. Uh, let us know what you like about the show. What you'd like to hear more of. You, even even if you just like drop a like a one word response, it's like shit. We'll accept it. We'll accept it. Then we're like, okay, cool. Now we have something to build off of. Uh, positive, uh, constructive feedback. That's what that's what we like. Shit. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening. And until next week, I am Brandon. And I am Travis. And this is Apathetic Enthusiasm. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.